Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with some special guests today. Matt Watson, not available today. Anyway, I've got a couple special guests with me today. We're going to change up the vibe of Startup Hustle and do a uh, Bands or Startups 2 episode. So I'm here with a couple friends of mine. I've got Mike and Rob from the Jam Band, if we can call you guys that, Aqueous. What's up, guys? Hey, how's it going? Stoked to be here, man. Yeah, yeah. I Thank want you. you guys to introduce yourselves and give your maybe your full name too, because I didn't do a very good job there. But sure, uh, I'm Rob uh, Rob Hauk from Aqueous. I play drums, a um, little bit of vocals. That's true. That is currently a little true. bit of vocals. And uh, my name is Mike Ganser, and I uh, play the guitar and uh, and sing for for Aqueous. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> Should I save my drummer joke for later, or do we do that? You can now? tell I think all we of should, them. I think we should do it right out Go of right game. into it, yeah. right in, like come with the heat? Come with the heat. All right, all right, do you guys do both it. have one? Well, we're going to find out. Yeah, yeah. We're going to find out, because I, I only know Spoiler one. Spoiler I do not. I know oh. you know it. You know What do you call someone who hangs out with musicians? A drummer. A drummer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rob, you're a good sport. We can only count to four. Um, what's the other one? <laughs> but you're good at it. Yeah, we're good. We're really good at counting four. You got to be good at something. So let's give a little background here. So um, a few episodes back, we had one of your guys' peers, uh, Joel Cummins from Humphreys McGee. Uh, that's how I met you guys right. here yeah. in Kansas City. Yeah. Um, and well, this actually just turned into a book announcement episode too. So Joel and I just announced that we have co-written the Realist Guide to a Successful Music Career. And you guys don't even know this, but the first night I met you was the first day we were there talking about that. Oh, no kidding. Uh, yeah. And I, I would have I knew something was up. I, well, maybe. <laughs> I would have well, gone to the show. Actually, you know what? That was, no, that was, that was where that was from. Because the, the year before was when I interviewed Joel for the, my book, Balance Me. And he was in that book. Mm-hmm. And I need to give you guys some copies if I haven't already. But yeah, so I came to your show and I really like, you guys are good. Thanks. Thanks, man. Yeah, that's probably good to know, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I appreciate that. So um, I saw you guys here in Kansas City, and then I went with Joel to St. Louis for the next couple of days, and we were working on the book and some other things. And at that point, it was very uh, um, loose and, and rough. But sure. yeah, so we haven't announced the, the members in the book. I did tell you guys uh, off off recording or camera or whatever, but I can say that the forward's written by Jeff Coffin, who loved what we were doing, and I think you guys will yeah. too. So, um, anyway, tell me about Aqueous. Yeah, so you know the the band started um, in a pretty natural sense, and just in high school, you know, via friendships. And in fact, like music was really only one facet of our life. I mean, I'm talking like 15 years old, 16 and, years and old. And where are you guys from? Um, so the, the, the three uh, uh, original members, which is myself, um, David Loss, uh, who's our guitar player and keyboardist, and our bass player, Evan McFadden, um, all from Buffalo, New York, um, you know, born and, born and raised there. And then Rob, you know, has, has joined. It's actually, we're coming up on we're three years up now. We're coming on three years, and uh, I'm from Cincinnati. So okay. we grew up pretty far from each other, and... It's almost, it's weird because we almost grew up in the way we compare our upbringings, like musically and a whole lot of things. They're very, very similar, even though we're, have a couple years difference in age and 
didn't even grow up together, but it's, the similarities are very strange. Yeah, it was odd when we, when we met and, and he came in for his audition. We definitely felt like we already knew him. That's a good. It was, thing. It was odd though, like like that, that beyond was, like what yeah. you would imagine is even possible. Yeah. Like little like little subtleties that typically are like cultivated over years of friendship were already kind of yeah, seemed pre existent. How do you know? I think that's funny. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah right. And you know, and, and here on the podcast, we we try to relate things to how you know a band is a startup. Right. You, you guys start. I mean, much like someone that's trying to build an app, you start from a very uh, informed but uninformed state. You have to build things, your songs, your list, your fans, your following. Right. There's 10 million different ways to do that. Some way better than others. And it's a right. lot of work, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. it is. So yeah. how, how long is Aqueous? Uh, you've been with the band for three years, but you said it started earlier than that? Yeah, I think we're coming up on about 11 years or wow. maybe even 12, 12 years. Yeah, yeah. It's um, fast and slow. It, that's exactly right. Yeah. You know. Um, but yeah, I think when we were young, we didn't have like a strong intention. You know, we, we basically at 15 or 16, you don't have a sense that anything is a business really, unless mm -hmm. you're like, you know, that, uh, yeah. it's just a, a couple <laughs> of like creative, like young musicians. That's not what we were thinking about. And it's funny to be in the position we are now, um, you know, and seeing everything from <clears throat> this new perspective, uh, you know, cause when you're, when you're that age, when you're 15 or 16, the world is so green and you, you think that things can just happen in, in, in a, you know, a way that you might have seen in movies or like, you know, you just get discovered or something, but I, I don't think that's exact. I mean, maybe that's true for some people, but for us, it was yeah. not, it, it just, you know, it, it came through, uh, you know, just truly hard work over right. the course of, a, you know, a decade or more of sticking to this one thing that we all believed in. And, um, and we had talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but like almost a crazy way, you almost have to be like a, you know, there's not a lot of logic crazy and obsessed. Well, that's yeah, what we're talking obsessed, about. Like right. the, and you know, I, I'm kind of fascinated with the topic of what the difference between being a genius and being crazy is, or are you obsessed or are you driven? Yeah. Cause you know, they're, they're kind of one in the same right. in some regards. And, uh, I, you know, Matt Watson and I talk a lot about how you have to be a little crazy to be an entrepreneur or a startup founder. And the same thing with a musician, sure. maybe it's a tough way to make a living. Like, yes. you, and you have to be prepared to starve sure. for a right. little bit. Like even as an entrepreneur, like yeah. no one starts, well, okay. Maybe like three people in the history of business, like yeah. didn't go through a starvation period and they were, I don't even know who they were. They're like, it's easier to find a unicorn. <laughs> yeah, right. right. So like right. with music, there's a lot of ups and downs and uh, development of thick skin. Yes. Yeah. And same with an on, being an entrepreneur, because you're going to have people that tell your ideas suck. And those are, they're just haters. Right. They, they just hate everything. Well, those are also people who are comfortable with having the comfort and the, the, the trail that's been blazed for them. Like, right. so you can either follow and sorry, you can, he's keep, a drummer. I'm going to keep hitting the stable. He's, he's, he's beating for those that, that aren't watching the video. The drummer was <laughs> drumming. He's, he's just doing his job. It's natural. Yeah, I can't help it. We can only count to four. Yeah, we only hang around. Yeah, warming up so. for the show. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's, you know, there's people who will blaze their own trail and that's always going to be more difficult. You, you yep. Know, yeah. Or you can follow and be comfortable and go the same way that everybody else did. But you know, that's, some people want to do it that way. Some people don't. So, all right. 
did your parents support you guys? Like, were they supportive? Because most probably aren't when their kid's like, hey, I want to be a musician. They're like, oh, God, what did I do wrong? <laughs> yeah, I, I think, you know. My, Unless they were musicians, too. Right. Sure. So my dad was a, like a jazz, you know, pianist. So he, but, but, you know, he didn't do that for a living. That's what he wanted to do. But he became a mechanic because that was a skill that he could make quick money. And he right. had a family really young. So his priorities were different. He respected, I, I think, like apprehensively respected what, what I wanted to do, but wasn't sure that it was possible, you know. And then I think as he saw that, that the level of work I was willing to put in, I think it became more real for, right. you know, for him. And then I think at some point he was able to live a little bit vicariously through me because sure. I think that was something he had always wanted to do, which was cool. But I think um, in a wider sense, most of my family did not understand at all, like what I was, what I was doing or why I wanted to do it. And, and even to this day, you know, like I, I getting on like Sirius XM or like on like some of these bigger things, like don't even, they don't even totally get it. Like, why well, are you going to be like on TV? And I'm like, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like there's different ways to perceive success. Sure. And within this, you know, um, the, the music industry at large, but this microcosm of the jam band and you know, that phrase, you know, I could go all day on that, but well, let, let's define that. Cause I don't yes. think, you know, so we have listeners in 160 countries oh. and I know it's wild. Thank you everyone for listening. Hey, everyone. We're going to keep doing this because of you. Um, so when I say a jam band and I know, look, I hate putting bands in a bottle with right. the other bands. Cause, but a jam band, like, probably most identified with the category related to like the Grateful Dead or Fish, Humphreys McGee now, like, and, um, it's really more about bands that improvise and play songs that are a little more progressive and out of the box, like not the three and a half minute radio song with your classic chorus and a hook. Right. Right. Or children's songs. Yeah, that's true. Baby shark. Yeah. We can talk about that some too, but (laughs) yeah, but with that, you have a harder brand of something to sell because let's be realistic. Not everyone likes a 15 minute song, including right. my wife <laughs> who's seen Humphreys McGee with me a lot. And she's like, but it's not her jam, but she appreciates it because they do it well. Right. 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 Yeah. You, so, you can at least objectively like respect somebody killing something. Right. You know, even right. if it's not your cup of tea. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's good. You know, I, I completely agree with your assessment of what a jam band is. I, I think that it, that's like an overhead term, especially at this point. Cause I think it, you know, it's like saying rock and roll and then it's like just the next like, classification. Yeah. Right? Rock and roll could be like Iron yeah. Maiden or it could or, be like yeah. the stones, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. and so on and so forth. So, one thing with bands in your genre and your scene that I've noticed over the years, because I've been a jam band fan for, I grew up on classic rock. Like my parents, my mom listened to a lot of Beatles and that kind of turned into like Jimi Hendrix and Led Zeppelin. And you sure. know, it's the classic rock. It's natural progression. It's funny because now I'm old and the classic rock station plays music from when I was in high school. Like, I'm like that's how I knew I was They're old. playing Guns N' Roses. I know. Stuff. It's kind of weird. I know. I'm like, wait a minute. This isn't classic rock. Oh, but it is. Oh, but it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but that kind of led to, you know, the other stuff. And I'm a hack as a musician, but there's, but I have ADD and I actually, you wouldn't think that would go well with listening to jam bands. It actually does. Well, Cause I it's think great. it would go well. Cause it grabs me and it keeps me in, a, a, I'm able to kind of connect with the rhythm and the groove mm-hmm. and I like it and whatever. So, and I like, and I like, I'll be, I admit it. I like it weird, man. I want to sure. like, I want to, I want to 
to wonder if in your mind you're seeing a spaceship landing in front of you. And, yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that's cool. And I also think it's really freaking hard. It's very skillful. Like, cause if you're making things up on the fly, there has to be a lot, uh, much like any business, you guys have to know each other and have good communication yeah. or it can get ugly. Communication Absolutely. without even talking yeah. some of the time too. Yeah. So. It's like a, it's like a trust too, yeah. like a deep trust. Cause like to go out there in front of big audiences often and just take risks, yeah. you know, I mean, that's, well, that's the point. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like that's like literally <laughs> yeah. the, the thing. Yeah. And that, I think that that's, as exciting for us as it is for people like you that love to see that, you know, or feel that or, or be a part of something that feels risky and feels in the moment. It's feels- almost like going to your like favorite sporting event, watching your favorite team because you don't know the outcome of the game. And you know, you, you know, it's your favorite team. It's your favorite thing to you watch. See them win. You, and you want to see them win and you want to see them do well. So like, there's always those, you know, those jams from the night that are like, that was the best jam from the night. And you know, that, that equates to a great touchdown catch or, right. or something like that. But I, I think people leave a little bit less disappointed because their team, you know, you can't really lose when it's a one team game. Yeah. Like you're right. So, <laughs> so in your scene, bands have to be around for a little bit to pick up a following. Yes. So historically that is true it is i mean it's i've watched it you know i'm freezing mcgee and i'm sorry to keep bringing them up they're just contextual yeah of course, and i know but you know they just had their 20th anniversary right. and, and like, for us they were a band that we you know grew up yeah appreciated yeah, yeah we have too. a lot of respect for those guys I, really well i i do on as i love their music but i love the way they do things too they're really organized mm-hmm. and, and innovative and, and innovative especially for this scene and yeah. they take it seriously too oh, like yeah. that's the thing that i like the most is like they are just they are is concerned about putting out a product that doesn't suck right mm-hmm. so how do you guys do that what's your method for that right and and i, I will say that they were an influ- early influence in that way not even musically speaking but like their their business sense and, yeah. and the fact that no matter what like every time i saw them the, the product was just a hundred percent you know and from every facet and the closer we got to their operation i saw like the ins and outs that you look under the hood and it's so well run and so yeah. and so for us i think a bit a, a, an initial takeaway for that was investing in a team of you know and, and actually investing in others before we could even invest in ourselves to make sure the product we were delivering was of quality you know so what that should might, give ryan a shout out we, that's oh that's kind, kind of where i'm yeah, kind Kind of where I'm headed right now. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, like finding, I, I mean, I think a, a misstep a lot of musicians make is that, you know, you'll see guitar players or drummers or any, any, uh, on any instrument invest in their gear first and they'll spend all this money thousands and thousands of dollars on the nicest gear and then they won't have a sound engineer to run it so they'll start touring all over the country and you'll find these like jaded dudes that are behind a soundboard that don't give a shit about you know how you see you're the hundredth band that year for them they're like okay set it and forget it and we have a section in the book about that okay it's such it's a thing like joel like is he was very adamant about that it's that well it's kind of finding a guy like ryan ryan's like a swiss army knife for you guys. in every way the more swiss army knife people you have the the, the longer you can stretch it right because yeah, well, financially it saves you my ryan does the job of like four men yeah. right you don't you can't and gosh. i wish we could pay him the job of four men you will you will oh yeah we're getting there do you give him ious or anything like you should maybe every day yeah <laughs> yes. it's just he, they're they're mental but right okay so versatility and how this applies to startups is when you're growing um and you guys are not a new band you get all right so let's back up you got i mean you guys have a thousand people at your new year show yes you know which for those listening do you know how hard it is to get 50 people to come pay money Right to see you play. I mean, a thousand people—that's a lot, dude. Yes, and you guys play some big shows too. I saw you, Rob. I saw you at New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. That wasn't last year, but the year before. You guys are out in Denver. Yeah. There's four thousand people yeah. in my room. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
And, and I think that that's exactly right, that it's, it took us a long time. I mean, that, and so that was our Buffalo being our hometown market. You know, I mean, I can remember even four years ago drawing like less than 500 people. And then, you know, two years before that, less than 300 and so on. And there was a time when there was like six people in the room and I knew three of them. And then the other two left because they didn't like it. But you know what I mean? Like it, it's, it's, it's a very slow, patient build and you have to really want it. And you have to just trust that the thing that you're doing is honest and that, and, and that you know that there's something in it. And, and I think, um, for us, I, I think another thing in terms of uh, what I see a lot of musicians do is they'll put all, you know, they'll distribute their eggs in all these different baskets. You know, they'll do this project and this project and this project. But to me, I always wanted to just in like find one situation that felt really good and really honest and push that one thing as hard as I could. And I, and I'm glad now in retrospect that I did that because some of the, I, I know guys that are like some of the best players like that I've ever even seen, you know, in front of me and that can't get out of their city because they just, take all these weird little gigs and they like, we talked about that before we started recording about being good at one thing before you try to be good at six. Right. And, um, you know, people as, as an author and startup person, uh, people ask me a lot, they're, how do I make more money? I say, you got to quit thinking about money. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, get good at something. Right. Money's a byproduct of being good at what you do. I I completely, I mean, it really is. And, And with that, like, and, you know, you said something in the beginning of this I, I want to circle back around to is, you know, like, oh, who was discovered or whatever. I don't believe in luck. It's mm-hmm. just preparation and opportunity. Yep, and, right. and, every, and I've been trying. So I like to say success demands payment in advance. And I have been searching for years for examples where that isn't true. Now, Mike, you're a gifted musician. I think you're really, really good, but I bet you have practiced a lot. And the same for you, Rob. I I, I think you're gifted too. Thanks. There's not a moment that I really don't see Mike without a guitar in his hand. If that that says anything about his like work ethic and the amount of work that he puts in. That's why I felt that he was in that, in that I just Mm -hmm. knew it. I can tell like, and I'm going to, um, kind of throw my boy Jake under the bus here from once again from Humphreys. But you know, I've been watching him for 12 years and, and that's why I talked to him about it. Cause I'm the same way, man. Like it's, it's really kind of fucked up. Like, yes. and it can be disruptive. Like it's caused problems in my life because I am probably obsessed. That's probably a healthier way to describe my relationship with startups and business, but I don't look at it as a job. Making money is my hobby. Right. And when I decided that I have not worked a single day since that decision. Yes. And I like what I do and I try to do things that matter and make a difference, but it can get in the way. So how has that affected you guys? Cause like here you are in Kansas city, we're recording a podcast at 2 PM on a Saturday afternoon. It's like nine degrees outside and you're not home. Right. I know you guys don't have kids, but I have a wife, you know I mean? Like we, we definitely all have like strong family lives back yeah. home in some capacity that makes it hard though right that's and that is an inherent sacrifice with yeah. this path and and you know i guess to explain myself as far as my work ethic it's always been i don't want to call it a need but like so just a little bit of perspective about my background i grew up like very poor um and with like some kind of rougher family things going on and the guitar became like a, a place of of uh, safety and a place of freedom and a place of expression and uh and so I think that that, you know, carrying over into adulthood, like I, my path became super clear because it was the one place that I felt like mm-hmm. I could really be me and, and, and make something of myself. And I saw it as my way forward, I suppose, even from a really young age. And then when, when I did started you start to have, playing? um, 
about 12 years old. Okay. Um, and something that's interesting about our whole band actually is none of us that's ever. That's kind of late for it some is. kids. Like, it is. Yeah, I mean, like five and six years old is. Right. Yeah. Um, it, but none of us have any formal background or training in music, you know, like none of us can even read music. That's, um, but dude, that's probably why you're gravitated towards what you do. Like right. who in, and who does. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> some, some people, yeah. Some guys do, some guys don't. And then Chris I, Myers has a freaking oh, master like, like a yeah. master. Who has a master's degree in drumming? I Chris didn't even Myers know that. Does. Well, I, I know, man. <laughs> By the way, of all those guys, if you had to pick the guy with the master's degree, you would probably not pick Chris first. I love you, Chris. I don't know. He's, uh, he's so intelligent. No, I just meant in general, just like personality wise, he wouldn't be my sure, first choice, sure, but that's sure. okay. That's it, okay. It was yeah. actually interesting. I, I just did a, I have like a side band with two of those guys, yeah. Stasic and, and Chris. Wait, and, and that's called Doom? Is no, it, that's yeah. so Doom Flamingo is Stasic's other, like, yes. uh, I think more EDM uh, yeah. based side project. What is it called again? Uh, Doom well, ours, is called, ours is called Dookie, and it was like a Green Day tribute oh, yeah. thing, but I th- we're like working on forming something else with it right now but it was fascinating getting insight into like, Wait, do you guys actually play green day songs yeah oh dude yeah we oh, did man. we did it at summer camp two years ago oh, and then we actually just played a set last weekend at like an after party for the show in albany <laughs> um but it's like I'm fun it, it's yeah. it, well it's just pure fun yeah. Yeah. Pure, pure nostalgia pure fun but i like like those guys you know I, we keep talking about them but the work ethic is incredible sure. like you know we don't have to even like we basically don't have rehearsal time. Like we just like get in a room and just make sure everybody did their homework and then you're square. Mm -hmm. I think when you collaborate with people and all right, so let's spin this back into startups. Yes. Um, I collaborate with people all the time. I mean, I, and, 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 you know, we were talking before the show. So I have been involved in investing in a healthy hip hop business. So that's like my version of a collaboration, like right. whether where we're investing time, money or resources or something like that, or maybe just advice. Yeah. Your expertise. Yeah. And yeah. so along the way, um, who's, who's been your influencers, advisors, or people like that. Um, I like to tell people that the best way to get on top of the mountain is to let the people on top pull you up, not just try to climb it yourself. So what's your take? What's your take on that? Yeah. I mean, I, for us, I I have to give credit to uh, the band Mo. They were one of the earliest bands that recognized us as, as a, a, you know, somebody to show some kind of investment in because they put us on their music festival called Mowdown in 2012. They're and from New York too. They're, from, they? they're from Buffalo specifically. Oh, wow. So okay. like, I think they saw that we were kind of <coughs> following a similar path to them and they gave us like our first opportunity. And I mean, we were kids. I think I was, I mean, 2012, I was like, what, 21 or 22, you know, and we had been like going to that festival our whole lives, like just as patrons, you know? And so it was a huge shift for us that opened up like a ton of doors. And I think there's something to be said about like trying to really, if you get in a room with the people that you look up to, you don't talk, you listen, you know, and, yep. and mm-hmm. so much uh, of what we see and hear, um, you know, from the different teams that of bands that we've looked up to has been like so crucial for what we take back to our own project and how we like implement it in our infrastructure, you know? Um, so there's a million examples of it, but that I thought that was like a pretty good yeah. one. I've hung out with those guys before. Uh, Al was really cool. Al's really cool and he's really smart. Yeah, well, he's that was it. Sharp. We were sitting there and that was back when I worked for Roland. And he was like, oh my God, you want, he knew more about our products than I did. I <laughs> yeah. was like, dude, like, do you need a job? He's like, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> we'll like, see how this music Yeah, we'll see how this works out right after. <laughs> that was at the, uh, uh, the, in the Egyptian room. Yes, and in, uh, in, Indian, yeah. India, in Indianapolis. That's where a cool I spot. lived for a while, yeah. So we were there. Um, what about you, Rob? Like, who's, uh, who's uh, taught you some stuff, or who do you, who's kind of brought you along? Um, yeah, well, you, actually. Um, 
And I, I get a lot of uh, good advice from you, but um, it's a good question. Well, maybe we should talk about yeah. that for a second. All right. So I have this very strong belief that knowledge must be transferred. Mm-hmm. And if you hold on to it, it it's bad. Like it almost deflects more sure. of it coming in. The, and the art of knowledge transfer is powerful. It happens in a bunch of different ways. You have the peer expert to expert transfer, which is like tough to find and do because you have to find someone that's performing at levels that you might. It gets harder to harder, harder and harder as you get better at what you do. And then also um, you have to pass it along to the next generation. So um, I mentor anywhere from two to four people at a time. And it's like a really kind of like it's there's no expectations. I just find people that I like or that I feel that are on the cusp of doing something or are good recipients of the knowledge. And I actually offered to do that with you What uh, maybe even like a year ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so with that, it just basically allows an open channel to my either good, bad, or yeah. ugly advice. I yeah, only have two yeah, roles. I mean, uh, I mean, even in your books, I mean, we, you've even like hit on a couple things just, just today. There's just the ways that you look at things that you have to look at them as somebody who's in a business or yeah. like working on a small business the way we are, that you have to look at it from different perspectives and, yeah. and you have a completely different perspective than an artist's perspective. Like we, we are, emotionally attached like we we look at things like they're like our baby like they and we don't we sense a lot of, of a lot of our choices with how they feel to us right. and that's well, not so always an entrepreneur right right right, right. right. i mean entrepreneurs are uh, that's a crime of passion sure i mean sure, it really sure. is right. like it starts with wanting to solve a problem and sure. at least the good ones do or 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 do something that makes a difference yeah. or disrupt something so it's the same yeah. feeling like like for me, my mentoring has two rules. One, don't waste my time. And two, don't get mad at me if I don't tell you what you want to hear. Right, right. That's it. And pass that. Right. Like, I, and, you know, like, and, and by the way, the reason I wanted to, I, I didn't want it to just be like, much like the podcast, wanting to find some variety. I wanted a different take too. Yeah. And, right. and I like participating. I'm really passionate about music. So I think that's cool. Right. And, um, we, we've had some interesting conversations sure. and, yeah. you know, I, I like doing that. So I'm glad that the advice wasn't totally bad. No, no. And I think that's, but that's another thing we, we, as artists, you th- are wanting to hear what you want to hear, you know, yeah. and having a different perspective on it from somebody else from completely outside of the realm and saying, well, is that a good idea? I've or, made people cry. Yeah. Not intentionally, and, well, like, but I've uh-huh. literally but, like, you know, the truth, tears, the truth yeah. sucks sometimes. And, you know, sometimes maybe, it's the best thing you can do for exactly, someone, especially absolutely. when it, especially when it comes to like being an entrepreneur exactly. and they're like, okay, I I've got this idea, whatever. And you say, look, man, I'm just going to be honest with you, but unless you're ready to go bankrupt, right. Right. This isn't going to work. Right. Like, and, and I, then it's still, it's that kind of advice that, you know, could save your yeah. business or make you not even start because right. you can literally like lose your house, your car, put, like sure, max everything. everything out. And if you don't know what you're getting into, it can really be. And sometimes people have a good idea, but they think that like 25 grand is going to like get them to Silicon Valley and they're like, five million dollars short on that right, estimate. Right, right, right. Or the thing that uh so one of my mentors taught me something I think it's really awesome. Um it's to sometimes you have to be a coward. So this is this is different because it doesn't sound sexy to be a coward. <laughs> and if you say, well tell me more, he said, you don't take on the giants. He said, find something that no one else is doing and mm-hmm. go somewhere else where everyone will leave you alone to get really good at it. Yep. 
So a non-cowardly approach is taking an idea that takes on Google or Amazon. They're just going to crush you. Right, like yeah, your, your right. chant, like, sure, people, what about David and Goliath? Okay. So then the <laughs> other 999 million versions of that, right. he got crushed under right. Goliath's foot. Right. And, and, the, and the one is the unicorn. That, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And it doesn't mean... It may or may not exist. Yeah, that may and, or may not exist. So just know what you're getting yourself into when you go to fight the giants. Right. And like, and that was a guy named Laryl Holt who started a franchise that a year and a half later had 100 units. I'm not going to say how much he sold it for, but I will signal it by hand. <laughs> and those were millions, wow. which is insane. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, but it's a good point. So I, I tell people that sometimes I'm like, you know, like I had a guy come up and if you're listening, I'm so sorry, but he came up to me after I gave a speech and he had a, this like 60 page business plan. First off, don't ever give someone your 60 page business plan. If you can't fit it on one piece of paper, it's too, too much. Cause I'm not going to read it. I'm not going to read 59 it. Pages it's too long. Too long. It is, yeah. Maybe 59 and a half. But he goes, I have an idea that's going to take down Amazon. And I literally looked at this guy and I said, I don't even want to talk about it. Oh, he man. goes, what do you mean? I said, cause you're, I don't like you have zero chance. Like, yeah. I don't even care. Like you apparently, uh, explicit pictures of Jeff, Jeff Bezos, which he just got blackmailed for. I did not know that. Yeah. Interesting. Just hit the news. What? He, but he had it out to the past. He's like, here, this is, this happened. Sure. And, and the inquirer is trying to blackmail me. Sure. Yeah. So like, apparently that won't even work. So your yeah. business idea won't. And then he wanted his plan, wanted me to email him at his Yahoo address. I'm like, dude, <laughs> if you're going to pitch me on a dot com, like have your name at the dot com. <laughs> but you know, anyway, that, that whole, like that cowardly approach. And I think that niche music creating, I don't want to say it's cowardly, but it's different. Mm -hmm. Yes, it, de it, it definitely is different aspirations, different like financial yeah. goals. Like I, really every aspect of it is, is pretty specific yeah. to this little micro. I mean, I have, I have friends who have made livings off of doing jingles, that right? Like make, make part of their income just doing jingles right. so like, or children's you know, songs. Yeah. And, and that's, right, yeah, you know, that's sure. that niche, that's that niche thing that people don't even think about because, right. and I, you I know, think, like I wouldn't think about writing kids songs, right. But I, I, think I, think the, be, I think it would be a blast. Right. Of course. So I think the reality in 2019 is that like almost for any, any of like the different paths in music, you, it's important to find like a, f a few different alternate paths that can, can help like bring, you know, I mean like mm -hmm. side hustles basically, yeah. Yeah. you know, and like it that's can, a it, big it can, term and like, I, I mean, that's just a big buzzword for yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. Right. Right. They used to call it moonlighting. Now. Yeah. It's moonlighting. Not a side yeah. hustle. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds cooler. <laughs> so, yeah. it, like the side hustle or moonlighting? Yeah, moonlighting. moonlighting definitely moonlighting is like the eighties version yeah. of it. But yeah. So, um, so you talk about the financial needs changing. Um, how has that changed for you guys over the years? Yeah. I've, in pretty profound ways. Cause it, it's just really interesting. Like, uh, uh, you know, when you start off, uh, it's just the, you know, the core band members, right. And you're not making any money, especially like in the very beginning, you know, playing for like what we talked about, like 20, 30 people at best in a few different markets in your region. And then, you know, eventually it starts growing and growing. But as, as you, you know, you experience the growth, you, you know, you have to invest in a team to like, uh, you know, handle the growth. Like we talked about, like, even like, uh, like that, uh, shark tank scenario where the, the, they need to put a team in place to like handle the inventory and handle all this. Like it's the exact same way with a band. Like, you know, if you're playing in front of like a, a much larger audience and much bigger rooms, there's just like prerequisites that mm -hmm. come with that experience. And like having a quality sound engineer, having a lighting world, director. Scalability. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like, how do you go from like, all right. Um, I mean, you're not playing in a, an arena tonight. Right. 
But the last time I saw you guys, you were playing in front of 4,000 people. That's a different approach. Right. So how do you guys handle it? How do you scale that? Because uh, Ryan, who we still need to give a shout out to. Yes. yes. Um, so, he deals with all that. But do you do, deal with it on a local level or give us some insight? Yeah. So like, I think the, the, the general concept is finding people that are capable of doing that. Because you know, I think the, the reality is, is that we all have our lane that we strive in. And um, a big lesson that I learned early on was trying to figure out people's strengths and then setting them on the path to execute on those strengths. You know, I, I, the mistake that I made was like trying to get people to do shit that was not comfortable for them or right. it had nothing to do with their skill set. Just, you know, just because, and that, that wasn't helpful. So it's about finding people that really strive in their field and surrounding yourself with them. Um, you know, and I think that like somebody that, so our, the person we're talking about, Ryan is Ryan Bress, who's our, he not only our sound engineer, but he, he also simultaneously runs our lighting, which is in, if somebody, you know, if a general listener could have insight into what that means, it's insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's really incredible too, because if you talk about the financial side, he's saving us so much money too, because typically that's a job set out for two different people. Right. You know, those are two different jobs and that's another human to feed and, and house and, you know, on the road. Um, but someone like him, you know, has, you, you find someone that has the skill set to walk into a venue that is, you know, where you're going to be in front of 4,000 people and be, you know, plugged into a giant line array PA system and be able to like execute in that scenario or execute in a little club where you're playing for 400 people. He's also very, very, very professional. Yes. And there's it, not think, an unprofessional bone in his body. So his, that communication also, his communication skills are amazing. Skills are like amazing. he can relate to anybody. And, and he has a, a saying that I think is really cool, uh, friendly, but firm. Yes. You know, that's how, that's kind of his, his, uh, approach to yeah. all these scenarios where you meet the different people and, and, uh, I break those two in half sometimes cause they have to be separate. <laughs> For but, sure. Yeah. Right. Sure. That's sure. Yeah. That's so, um, I've spent some time working with a guy out in Las Vegas who's a celebrity in the sneaker world. And uh, you talk about friendly but firm and also how you like handle things. Like, you know, one of the things is, uh, you know, it's what you're doing. It's a lot of work. It can be frustrating. It can, there's a lot of different things. And it's important to the people that you matter to, to not let them see that Mm -hmm. when they come up for that five seconds. And that's where that friendly but firm is too, though. Like, you know, understanding like you can't take your bad moment right. and spread that all over the right. guy that just wants a, a selfie with you. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you play the role for him. Well, and it's not even just pl- – yeah, it's playing it, but it's also just about being able to sometimes put your frustration or whatever. That, sure. And, and now musicians, we – talked about earlier being a little bit of emotional creatures yeah how do you guys how do you deal with that because because you do have fans and you have people that are talking about you online and sometimes people say good stuff i I, i'm not saying about you guys just about musicians in general so how do you guys deal with that as it relates to i don't know your forward facing self when it comes to people um, I mean, I, th- I just think we're lucky to be anywhere, you know, like we're lucky to be in Kansas city tonight playing for, you know, the people that show up. And I think that we owe that to them and we should be happy that we're, that we get that opportunity. I'm so talking I, about the guy that finds you on the way to the van, uh, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. no, even, even, even that person, like I, I think there's everybody, I think we should make time for everybody. I, I mean, that person, you don't know the kind of day that person's had. And, you know, we've had fans that have reached out to us that have had, you know, really not great things happen to them. And the, and we've had our music help them get through that time. And I think that's, uh, you know, you don't know who's coming up to you or what their background is. And I think everybody deserves the same amount of respect. 
you know, even if it is just for a picture or even if they're just trying to do it to say like, I got a picture with this guy, whatever it is, you know, I think without, without, without our fans, we can't do it. Right, so right. with it's, it's a two way street and I, I, they, they're as happy as I am to, to be where we're at. So, so like gratitude. Yeah, is basically absolutely. The idea. Gratitude. And, and, but I do think that there is a line, like, cause we're people too. Right. And then, yeah. you know, sometimes like you just have a shit day and sure. if someone catches you in a, in a bad moment or something, but I think we all try to at least be aware of what we mean to people, mm-hmm. you know, and that's like a thing we had to grow into as well. Like we know you start off and just playing bars, like you don't think, you know, yeah. That pe- but people start uh, assuming a lot about you and mm-hmm. meaning, uh, you know, you start meaning a, a ton to them. And I think that it is important to keep those things in the back of your yeah. mind and show, like, basically yeah. what you're saying, like, show respect to the fact that someone gives that much of a shit about yeah. you. Yeah. And it's really cool. Um, and, and, you know, what, what J.C. Lopez is this this guy's name. And, I mean, I, I can't go anywhere with him without people coming up and wanting <laughs> pictures and photos yeah. and whatever. And, you know, he said, you know, he'll say, hey, you know, that five seconds is going to be how that person remembers me for exactly. Yes, exactly. So if I'm a jerk, then, and then here's the thing, like the internet never closes. Right. And, uh, and, uh, well, one happy customer or one upset customer is just as loud as a hundred happy ones. Yes. Yes. And that can, you know, have a lot of effects. So, all right. So I want to talk about the pivot. Um, a lot of times businesses and startups have to change a direction. So Rob, you joined the band three years ago and we don't have to get into the details why I'm assuming that the lifestyle or something may not have been right for the previous drummer. Oh, you had four. (laughs) Oh man. But that's a, but that's a good point though. Cause like, like I said, you're here in Kansas city. It doesn't always mix or mold or mesh or whatever. So Changing a for those of our listeners that are in startups, changing your drummers like changing your programmers, mm-hmm. like it's a major switch, and it's not something that happens overnight. Um, so how you know how do you, how have you guys dealt with the changes over the years? I didn't realize there was more than one. You guys are coming up on Spinal Tap. I know that's the thing. Yeah, I, I haven't spontaneously combusted. I was going to say, yet, hopefully, so. that's our concern for him. Yeah, that's well. Yeah. I've had that concern or for him for a while. Freak guard, gardening accident. <laughs> I think if someone or was going to spontaneously combust it, it be might be me. Yeah. Mid drumming. Yeah. I could see you losing a finger with a mustache trimming accident. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully, I didn't predict that. But no, yeah. I, I use the little proved, scissors. You'd have to work really hard. Def Leppard has proven that you only need one arm to yeah. be a drummer. Yeah, that's true. And one leg. Overcome those obstacles, baby. So, yeah. So, so how have you guys dealt with the change? And then, man, I'll tell you what, when you lose a member of a band, the question always comes up, should we still do this? Yeah. Okay. So that's exactly right. And for us to have that experience for, you know, four different times was tr- truly brutal. And there was points where I thought, man, the universe may, I, I, trying to heed the, heed the signs and, and saying, okay, sh- is this a test or should, you know, do we, do we stay the course or is this universe saying, dude, this is a bad idea. Don't keep pushing this. Why do you keep pushing this? And I remember actually my dad, um, like saying that to, to me, he's like, you know, I, this keeps happening. He's like, is, you know, should you be listening to the universe? You know, and I, and in retrospect, I, I'm glad that we hunkered down, you know, and, and basically I think it, it stands as a testament to our vision of what we wanted out of this and, 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 and even just trying to show respect to the amount of work that we'd already put in. You don't, I, I never want to live with regrets. And, mm-hmm. and I, and I had a sense that at any point, at any point that each of those people left for their various reasons, sometimes it was a girlfriend, sometimes it was like something crazy, like, you know, either like a mental health thing or like there was a few different, different scenarios, but 
at each of those points, we still had so much more to say musically. Right. And I didn't want to give that up. You know, I, I didn't want to fail because someone else wasn't ready. You know, and if three, you know, three out of the four of us, or ultimately the majority of the company or the business or the band, um, felt the same way, we were, will, you know, willing to push through any bullshit mm-hmm. because we just knew that if we could get find that person, which ultimately ended up being Rob, um, that we could move forward in a, in a way that would be successful. Um, and I'm really, really glad that we did, you know, and sometimes the winner is the person <laughs> that can outlast the others. Right. Well, actually I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's just really like in a lot of ways what it comes down to. Right. And I remember actually Joel going back to the Humphreys thing again, but they give they've given us a lot of good advice. He said, well, they switched uh, drummers and they did, they yeah. had been through that. But he, I remember him telling me pretty early on that you have to just stick with it long enough to see it happen. Yeah. You know, and I thought that mm-hmm. was pretty good advice. Joel's given me a lot of good advice too. Like I remember when the, when this particular podcast exceeded a thousand listens in a day. And I was like, Joel, when do I know that when, when are we doing well? And he just said, whenever you feel like you're doing well. And yeah. I was like, wow, dude, that's oh, like that's very simple. Sage and, wisdom yeah. from Joel. Collins. But it was, yeah. you know, I was oh. like, I guess you're right. And yeah. it's like, you know, how do you, and so what, that's one of the things we actually talk about in the book is like success. The definition of success is different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, so what is a successful music career? Uh, for one guy, it could be a Friday night gig once a month at his favorite pub. Yeah, right. And then for someone else, that's just tragedy. Right. And I think I try to think about that all the time as like the things that we've already achieved mm-hmm. might be someone's ultimate dream. Like we right. might have far surpassed like someone's yeah. greatest imagination of what is possible for them. And yeah. I think we should like that's like kind of the gratitude thing yeah. too is like, you know, it's good to keep that perspective. But then you also want to stay hungry and, and you want to like. I was going to say, do you keep raising the bar? Because I like, think you have to. Yeah. Because yeah. if, if you get too comfortable at any point then you're just gonna plateau i think right yeah usually i'm asking well okay well we did that put that on a shelf what's next what's next what do we what do we got to do next what's our next thing that we want to achieve or i I think where do we want to go or how do do you guys talk about that with each other do you do you ever do you write it down do you have any written goals or you just have goals I, well, I wouldn't say written. I yeah. think we just are constantly throwing ideas like where, what we would like to see happen. I have a challenge for you. I want you guys to write these goals down and then we'll come back and revisit this yeah. next time okay. you come through. And yeah. I want you to tell me if you achieved any of them faster. I'm going to tell you why too. There's actually like very serious studies that show that, you know, they did one and I, I have this in my, in the balance me book. Um, so there was Harvard MBAs and like 20% of them actually had goals. And then 3% of them or something like that. I can't remember. I'm terrible at quoting my own stuff here, but like 3% of them had written goals. They went back a decade later and those people that had written goals had out achieved everybody as all. These are Harvard MBAs, by the way, it wasn't like just people. Yeah, right. And they were like making like 10 times more money than the oh. others. And the theory is that some, and as, as creators and writers, something magical happens between your head and your hand. So writing it down now made it real. Hmm. It took it out of this like vapor fantasy realm and then put it down. Tangible. Yeah. Yeah. I started my year by, I mean, I have like five pages of goals right now. And, um, and, you know, and then I revisit them a little bit. Right. And I've also trained myself to have this sense of satisfaction when I cross a line through one of them. I'm like, yes, 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 yes. Is it really that exciting that I managed to make it to my eye appointment? No, but yes. But you did but it. I did it. Yeah, but so you yeah, did it. That satisfaction. You didn't have to reschedule so. or anything. That What you're talking about, that idea of writing, that's like part of my creative process anyways. Like I don't like write lyrics on a laptop or something. Yeah. I, it has to be pen to paper for Yeah, me. I, there's some things, and I do these like 
by hand. And right. I'm largely like mm-hmm. a no paper kind of guy. Yeah, I hate so taking notes. I literally brought a journal into this. Yeah, I know. I saw it. Is that, is that a Zelda journal? Is that what I saw? It's like, yeah. had like a legend of Zelda. Dude, on it. Like it's got a map right on the front page. There. I love it. Hyrule. I, but yeah, literally just like so many. Does that tell us how to get to the venue? <laughs> yeah, I think it, I think it does. Just, do I need this, a sword? <laughs> yeah, you yes. do. And a horse. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Well, we are in Kansas, yeah. and I did have a sword. Yeah, there is a sword in the made office. out of wood, which I, I feel is safer. Sword. Can I get into the venue with a wooden sword? It won't set off yeah. a metal detector. I Maybe just got to yeah. try. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so what are so what are your guys' goals? Like, you're, so you're on tour right now. Your next stop's Durango, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. They looked yeah. at each other like they didn't know, and like, I think that's kind of awesome. <laughs> I used to live. Take there. it week by week. I, I went to I, at one of the five colleges I went to before becoming a junior in college. <laughs> <laughs> that's where I'm at. Um, was Fort Lewis College, FLC baby, in Durango. Nice. My nice. high school was more challenging than that college. Really? Sorry, Fort Lewis, but yeah, Durango's cool. So cool. So, but you're on tour. Um, festival season's big for you guys, I yep. believe. Yeah. Um, what do you got? What are your goals this year? What do you guys have going on? And also, we should tell everyone about you guys just put an album out, too. Right. Okay. So, yeah, we're coming coming off the heels of a record release. It was our first full length in, like, almost five years. It's good. Um, thank it's good. You. I enjoyed it. Thank, thank you, Jim. Appreciate that. Yeah. Um, but I think for us, the goal is to continue to write, you know, like, mm-hmm. we're, we've already started to write new music. We were actually working on a new song at Soundcheck. Like, there, there's really never a time where we stop with that, and I think that's, like, in terms of like our fan base, the newness, like the consistency of new new material is usually pretty big. But as far as goals, um, I, I think like either a new record or an EP and maybe in a slightly different musical fashion. We have like, some like children's hip-hop. Like children's hip hop. <laughs> okay, Actually, for, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. for the aqueous fans that are listening out there, I challenge these guys to give me a healthy hip hop children's song. So if you're listening to this, I want you to find a way to remind them. And encourage yeah. them to do that. And yeah. the end is Baby Shark still stuck in your head. Of course. Baby Shark's always stuck yeah, in your head. Yeah, it was the Baby Shark remix that I played <laughs> from a different contributor. But um, okay, so you want to write more music. Obviously, you want to play in front of more people. Right. Um, the festivals and some of the. Oh, let me ask you a question. So you guys open for people occasionally too? Like yeah. that's a different approach, but do you look at that as just another way to get you? I, I wouldn't even know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be a fan if you hadn't first if i hadn't first seen you in front of a different band right and that opened my eyes i was like damn these guys were good yeah Uh, Um, yeah do you want to you can okay oh yeah i was just going to say that uh there's such a unique approach to each of those scenarios. So if somebody sees us at a headlining show or if they see us at a, a music festival, just mm-hmm. like during a day slot or a night slot, um, or if they see us opening for a band, each of those uh, scenarios are treated pretty differently in our approach to them. Because if you're, if you're opening for a band, you have a little more fighting to do, you know, like they're, they're, they're not really there to see you sure. and you have to win, you know, it's your job to win them over. So I think diversity in your set list is key. I, I you know, for a band like us and, and a, a lot of jam bands, like you could hear one song of ours and get an impression that would be so wildly sure. different from another song. So picking and choosing what you deliver to, to an audience in that scenario is, is, is a huge consideration. When and, I saw you guys at the new year's Eve run, um, that was December 28th, 2017, 2017 going into right? 2018. Yeah. There was a lot of people that had come in. Those, those are okay. People that go to those shows, they know there's an opening act and they know when the headliners coming out and right. you guys had a lot of people in yeah. there to see you and they were into cool. what you were doing. Yeah. So, and Colorado has been pretty good to us as far yeah. as, you know, markets go like all, a lot I of can't different imagine cities. Why, can't imagine why the people of Colorado. Yeah. What's well, different there that I'm trying to think. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough. 
wait, is it because we forgot? I don't know. I can't remember. (laughs) What are we talking about? (laughs) Um, But, you know, I think as far as, you know, so, so yeah, each of those scenarios is pretty different and we'll treat them differently. But as far as goals, I mean, we have a lot of them. I mean, in my own head, like getting us into a bus versus a a, a van and trailer is a goal in the next two years. Um, Investing in our own comfort and trying to figure out ways where we can perform our absolute best is a new priority Um, compared to, you know, previous years, we've just had to like just grind, 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 you know, 150, 160 shows a year. Um, and we're still doing that, but figuring out ways like, cause you know, as you get older too, like, you know, when we started doing this going on the road, I was like 21 or 22 and all of a sudden I'm, I'm going to be 30 this year. Robbie just turned 34. Like it's a, it does become different, you know, like we're kind of like in, in an well, early slow, stage. You of, slow down a little bit and it doesn't necessarily. All right. So when I talk to professional athletes, they'll talk about how the game slowed down for them. Meaning like that fastball slowed down and that's how they can do what Mm -hmm. they do. But I feel like that's like, that's just experience. Right. Yes. And it's not necessarily a bad thing because it's like you, well, imagine, you know, like the matrix and the dudes dodging bullets and like, obviously that's our best case scenario. But, you know, as you age that, so I'm 43 and oh man, I'm a completely different, like what I'll take on. And, and. Um, so one of the guys that we work with here talks about the backpack and you got to be careful what you put in your backpack. Cause if you want to get to the top of the mountain, you got to carry that shit all the way mm-hmm. up, man. And so that's why you talk about the side projects and different things. Yes. And, and also like a, a tour or a different run or doing different things. Well, those are kind of in your backpack because you're yeah. going to have to carry them around in other parts of your life. If you're, when you decide to do one thing, you're deciding to not do any number of other things. And those, those choices, the value of those are commonly referred to as opportunity cost. Mm -hmm. So like when you're here, you're not with your wife or you're not with whatever, and you have to figure out how to balance that. And I have a feeling that's part of what you're talking about too, is like, when and where you find that balance. Right. right. And that's, that can be difficult to, you know, to find that, especially early on, you know, I mean, I, I've had relationships completely crumble in oh, the yeah. face of this dream. Um, you know, and I think that ultimately I, I'm happy to report that I've, I've, at least my, my experience was, is that I, that it was a worthy and, you know, it was mm-hmm. worth losing that because that person didn't, you know, couldn't understand right. who I was because this, this is who I am. And you know? how long like if, if somebody's not on board with you, right. Are they, how, how are they going to be on board with you for the rest of their yeah, life? They're if not. they're not on board with you for one thing that you're, you know, my they, wife, that, my that wife is your is passion. Same. You're like my driving passion. Same. I mean, just like, and you know, here's the thing too, is like, it's important. That's it, This is a key ingredient. You have to have people that get you. People ask mm-hmm. for, ask me for relationship advice. Okay. Look, the right person for you is the person who will put up with your shit. Yep. It's that simple. Yes. What again, we all have something. Yep. I don't care. There's no one that's perfect. We yep. all have something. And, and if you can find that person that'll put up with your shit, then you might be onto something. Yep. And like, also like for me, we talked about that obsessive or like, you know, when I, I have these weird little frame like moments that I can look back and put a frame around where I'm seeing things differently and musicians get, you guys get it too. Like you're just, for whatever reason there, it's just pouring out of you yes differently. And mm-hmm. I've, and I've learned how to not get off that horse until it won't run. So my wife, I, sometimes I'll, I'll tell her this happened a, a week and a half ago. I'm like, I, I need you to, I need some time. I need to focus on some things yeah. and she knows she's got to put the kids to bed right, and right. do some other stuff. And I don't know when I'm coming out. Yeah, like right. I, I talk about that mad scientist mode with yeah. people. Like I could come out looking like Tom Hanks looked in casting. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like if that's what it takes, yeah, it's like but, something yeah. just like grabs you. And like, oh, 
I have to die. If I don't focus on this, I'm going to lose it. Well, and you will. And you will. And I've I've heard a lot of songwriters talk about this, and I've had that same experience, like where if that thing, that spark hits, you you cannot let it go. Right. Because it will go away. Well, that's back to writing things down. That's probably why you're carrying that book around. It is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's what I do. All right. So I have little pads that I carry around, and it was really funny because – um, for like two years, I had my weird, most inspirational moments while I was mowing my lawn. So it would literally sometimes Mental take clarity. me like an hour and a half to mow my lawn. Right, like just sometimes I'd be in the middle of it and, and I'd come running in to write stuff <laughs> down. And then I literally started mowing my lawn with a small little tablet in my That's back smart. pocket. Yeah. So I'd be in my lawn, like writing things down. Like I can only imagine how that looked, but yep. you're right. You have to capture mm-hmm. it because it'll come and go. Yep. Um, and that's, you know, to capture it, um, that's a good thing. Okay. On the way out of this and thanks for coming in. Of course. We're going to, for those of you listening, we're actually going to produce a little video that goes with this. It's not the video from this podcast. I wanted, I asked these guys who were kind enough to give us an inside look on how much work it takes to, to put on a show. Yeah. And, uh, um, it's a lot more than you think it is. All right. So what's your advice for, people with their music startup, whether it's a band or whatever you're trying to do, like what's the one little tidbit of advice or, or it could be something related to where you failed or flopped or whatever. Like let's try to save someone a moment of anguish or keep a couple bucks in their pocket. Yeah. So I I would say the biggest lesson I learned the hard way, and this was the very first drummer we ever had was, um, the relationships that you have with the people on your team. So like we're talking about a startup that doesn't have to be a band, but for us, my team is my bandmates, yeah. um, at least in its core. Um, I think when you're young, you're so driven and you think there's, you know, if you get your heart set on that, there's only one way forward. It's easy to be unkind to people and the choices that you make thinking, you know, so basically the scenario for me was that there was a, a our first drummer, he, you know, wasn't, in our minds, the you know bands as collective minds like wasn't kind of up uh, to the task of like taking this thing up upwards, mm-hmm. you know. And he, he did, his work ethic was a little different than ours, and I think it was a little more casual for him. And we were like super driven, but we never communicated to him. We thought that he just kind of felt our you know quote unquote vibes of of not thinking that you know he was adequate, and then just like kind of in a pretty cold fashion, just like let him go. And he was like a long like lifelong friend, and it was I think a really bad karma for that drum position for the next four years of, you know, uh, I, I do think that I fucking totally think that. Um, but like it didn't, you know, we could have achieved the same result, um, without being cruel. Uh, and I think that like sometimes in business, like those decisions have to get made, but there's a a lot of different ways to approach it. And, and it could have been much more tactful than that. Um, and so I guess like the other part of my, I guess the piece of advice that I would give is to be, um, careful and, and, and as kind as you can with, you know, in, investing in the people around you that are going to be the, you know, a part of, of, of how you move forward. And if they're not, um, you can still be kind about it and, and yeah. get where, get where you're going. Yeah. That, that's actually a buzz topic lately is the, uh, um, whatever happened to being friendly and like that can, you know, but it's important because, you know, you're much, we talk about this in, in the, in the book too, is like the, you know, being likable, goes a long way mm-hmm. and like being like you know joel was big on that he's like look if you're going to go on tour and you're going to play at 150 different venues those are the people that are helping you do what you want to do right. so um if you're doing stuff that that makes you clearly unlikable they're not going to feel real inspired to care right, right? 
that. So where are you, what do you got for us? Um, try, try to, well, this is kind of tricky. Uh, cause I kind of came into the fold a little bit later and as to like, but this is your advice as a musician, not sure. necessarily as sure. a drummer. Would sure. we call a drummer a musician? I, wait, I don't know where we landed on that. Yeah, yeah sure. I don't know either. I think we give it. To um, him. we you need a, He has to be a musician. I'm a magician. There we go. Oh, I like that. <laughs> You're pronouncing oh, musician. A magician with that mustache <laughs> is creepy. Yeah, I call the cops. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. I already did. It's okay. They're, they're waiting. This outside. guy's making kids music. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Mustache's gotta go. Um, no, it's. Staying. I love it. It's, I it's it. staying. I it's amazing. I don't. I, I mean, I'm this far. Yeah. Um, well, first a bit of advice is grow a mustache if it works for you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but also, um, I, I kind of came into the fold for this band a lot later in my, in my life. So before I was, I was doing stuff professionally, like I was a professional chef. I, I was doing all kinds of other things, but I always had the passion of music. Like I can't, we were talking about it earlier, but there's not a time when I can't remember in my life where music didn't mean something more to me. Right. Like it always has meant something more to me than anything else I could ever think of. And that's playing drums with a band on stage doing that is the moment that I, I don't think about anything else but that. And it's kind of an escape from the rest of the world. Um, so like I was always, I, I try to keep my passion still there, even though I was figuring out ways to finally get to that passion. And finally the opportunity came up where I could seize that. And, I, and then I went for it. So if there's something you're passionate about, it doesn't necessarily mean, and, and you're not achieving it, it doesn't necessarily mean it's not going to happen. Um, so you just have to keep working towards what you're passionate about and do the things, other things that you love and, and learn from those things to get to where you actually want to get. Based on the input you guys just gave, I'm going to formulate uh, a little bit, a little tidbit here on our way out. Cause we need to get you guys over to a venue here in a minute. But um, remember that success isn't going to just come to you. Mm -hmm. You have to, if you want it, you need to go get it. And you talk about being friendly and you talk about not getting down that you don't have an opportunity. Don't be afraid to ask people right, for an opportunity. The worst thing that's going to happen is they're going to say no. Mm -hmm. And you know, whether it's this or that or an opinion or whatever, like I'll tell you what, it's changed my life. I'm not afraid to ask someone. You will be shocked at how many people will be receptive. Cause if you get, if you go to ask someone to talk about what they're passionate about, they're 800 times more willing than if you're like, Hey, can I do an interview with you? Mm -hmm. Right. You know, like, it's just like, Hey, I, you know, I'm trying to do something that's similar to you. And I have so much respect for what you've done. Right. Will you give me five minutes of advice yeah. and like just that kind of humble, friendly yeah. approach is a good way to do it. So email all these guys, your question. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, thanks for coming out. We got some other things we're going to do today. I'm going to also see the Harlem Globetrotters. Dude, in the midst I'm of, jealous. I'm, in the I'm also jealous. I invited Rob, but he's so professional. He's like, I have to work. Yeah, he does. I did. I, I do. I still I do. So anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> on our way out, you can. You guys are okay. Let's spell your name. The the band name. Yes. Okay. Just a lot of vowels. A lot of yes, vowels. I Get know. ready. Settle in. So it's A Q U E O U S. And that's aqueous. And it's aqueousband.com. Yes, is that what yes. it is? Okay. Mm -hmm. So you guys can check them out. Um, I'm going to put some links down in the comments. So you can help find their music a little easier. And guys, thanks for uh, coming in, man. Let's yeah. thank uh, you for having us. Let's, let's get yeah, you back. It was to a lot work. of fun. Yeah. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. See you next time. Oh,
Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCarsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.